You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it downfield wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Doing knew where he was going right away. How the hell is that, little man? What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's our Football Friday show, taking a bit of a different course this year. We're going to hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, who addressed the media on Friday. Plus, we're going to hear from David Ferronis of the Sun Sentinel, taking a look at Dolphins and Chargers, kind of giving you a camp and preseason recap. We'll also hear from some of the guys in the locker room, Cater Kohu, Robert Hunt. We'll hear from Tua Tungavailoa and Mike White, and we'll finish up the podcast with Kyle Krabs talking the weekend in college football from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and kick this off with some media availability here from head coach Mike McDaniel, who addressed Teron Armstead's availability or lack thereof potentially in the game on Sunday. I want to go ahead and make it perfectly clear. This podcast will most likely come out before the injury report comes out. So for an update on that, by the time you guys hear this, probably will be out. Go check out my Twitter timeline at Wingfield NFL for the latest Dolphins injury report for Sunday in Los Angeles. As for what coach had to say about Teron Armstead and how close he potentially is to returning to action and getting the work in, let's go to hear, let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. Here's, here's what I will say, especially uh, I'm sure you guys have talked to Teron. Um, I know his expectation has, uh, has been the entire time um, to, to play week one. And if he has the final say, if um, Chris, Chris Greer and the boys decide to fire me and make him the head coach today, he'll definitely be playing. However, um, you know, I want to take a look at him this, this afternoon and really kind of make um, a concrete decision for Sunday. So I think um, by today we'll have an answer for Sunday. And the, literally the only reason um, uh, there's even a debate is because it's my job to protect players from themselves. And um, it's my job with the, the aid of all sorts of um, well-intentioned, very well-schooled individuals is that we do what's best for the Dolphins for the entirety of the season. So we, uh, you know, going through that process, um, making sure that there uh, won't, there continues to not be setbacks, more that we're trying to do something for the long haul, and we'll assess it today and see where that leaves us. I just thought the whole process of how Coach is going through that and how the team is you know, deciphering whether or not it's best for Toronto to play or not was worth hearing whether or not he does play or not. So there's Coach talking about his star left tackle. And all preseason, we saw Kendall Lamb play in that left tackle position and a player that I've been talking about in the podcast, whether it's training camp, whether it's games, whether it's his reps from a season ago, albeit just 32. But mostly what he says 
and his media availabilities and just kind of how confident he is and the lessons he's learned from a nine-year pro career here in the National Football League. I think Kendall can play, man, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him get a chance if he does get that chance to prove it and, and show you what he's kind of progressed here towards. Coach touched on the progression that Kendall has made from his first year here and how he's talked about it all the time, how in this offensive line group, you're doing an ultimate trust fall because everything you've learned as a pro is kind of being, being rewired to do the opposite for how you play the position. And he talked about the progression Kendall had from year number one to year number two within this system. And that's kind of been the entire theme of the offseason on this podcast, right? Talking about how that second year breeds familiarity, that continuity can potentially breed better success for the offense, hopefully. That's the idea, at least. And so for Kendall Lamb to get that second year of continuity and familiarity could be a big boon for him. Here's Coach talking about how comfortable he feels if Kendall Lamb is the left tackle on Sunday against the Chargers. Kendall's a, a great example of a, a guy that, has found a place in on a team that had been through some uh, trials in his career. Um, but, I mean, he last year he made an impact so early in the room um, about how he goes about his business. He uses every slight that's happened to him to his advantage, um, not disadvantage. And he uh, he he's... He's a core, core piece of the locker room at this point, which says a lot. So my confidence is high just because I see better than I hear, and he's shown me um, as consistent really as anybody uh, what I can expect, what his teammates can expect from him. Um, and that's a, that's a guy that uh, there's nothing more important to him than um, what he needs to deliver on for himself and his teammates. So anytime he's on the field, I get excited for him because he's, um, he's, he's been down the rigors of the NFL journey for a player that's not you know a lottery pick, so to speak, and he's coming out a better version um, than he went in. Next, we get another update from Coach on a player who's been working so hard to get back from an injury that cost him a big chunk of the 2022 season. He finally ditched the red non-contact jersey a couple weeks back and just continues to look uh, on track and progressing towards week one. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach McDaniel on how confident he is in Brandon Jones' ability to get back into the defense here in week one and play against the Chargers. You know, that's first and foremost, that was our priority in assessment. Um, from his, from his from this whole off season, because again you're trying to um, you're trying to make sure that you're coming back the best version that you possibly can, and that's a process. So we're very very attentive to the physical part of that, um, and uh, I can I'm very happy with Brandon. I'm very happy with um, the training staff because I think. Um, for a normal timeline purpose, he's done everything he could and more, and I feel very good about his physical um, ability to play within the defense. And for him, you know, it's trying to make up uh, the reps in that are lost live, um, and that process in in a in a new defense. Um, you know, it, it it's not linear. When it clicks, it clicks. And um, each and every day, he's been getting better and better at getting to that click spot. So I'm, 
I'm very happy with where he's at because he's a big part of the team. Um, that's a very uh, impactful player, and uh, you know I feel pretty confident, as confident as one can be in the game of football, um, that we've done right by him and the Dolphins um, with with our progression that will continue um, as as his uh, he gets caught up. I want to end here at Coach's media availability with this question. I asked him about a clip from his childhood lifelong friend, Dan Soder, a great comic who actually comes through here quite a bit. Uh, go check him out at the Dania Improv when he is in town here in South Florida. But he told a story about playing Tecmo Super Bowl against Coach when they were children, and he went on the Pablo Torre Finds Out podcast and told us this story about playing Coach in Tecmo Bowl. And he would be the Falcons, and he would – this is such a memory for me. I got so angry. He would always switch to Deion Sanders and drop Deion all the way back. So no matter what play I picked, when I threw it, he would break on it with Deion. He would pick it almost every time. And as he was running it back, he would look at me and go, prime time. <laughs> prime time. And at, like, after the first two, you're like, okay. You know, like that kid frustration where you're like, you got to stop. You're okay, cheating. That's, Why don't you try to not be Dion? And he's like. That is the most coach response I've ever heard in my life. So I wanted to ask him about that. And you're going to hear coach give his little impression of his younger self. Here's McDaniel talking about playing Tecmo Bowl with the great Dan Soder. My, in terms of developing football passion, um, it probably, uh, you know, right you know, is I think I got my first video game as a reward for straight A's, right? Um, and so whenever those report, maybe it was first grade or something. Um, you know, I, I once I got my hands on video games, that was a game changer. And uh, the, you know, at Tecmo Super Bowl, um, college football, all those games, I spent way too much time. Um, and it's probably why I was able to, you know, at the time when talking about with Dan Soder, he, I was four foot ten in seventh grade, right? Um, and probably didn't have that much to talk um, crap about, just in general in life. Um, so uh, video games are a nice outlet. Being good at Tecmo Super Bowl allowed me to, you know, lay off some steam probably on on my my taller, uh, more manly-looking friend. But, hey, listen, prime time. No, it's real, and it was obnoxious. And then I, then I would get upset that, like, dude, you don't want to play anymore? Like, come on, man, this is like two games. I'll be a different team. Then I'd be the Raiders and have Bo Jackson do the same thing. Not sure I've loved the story more so far in Coach's uh, one and a half years here with the Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and turn things now to my guest that I welcomed into the podcast today, David Furness from the Sun Sentinel, talking all things Dolphins and Chargers ahead of the game on Sunday. And joining me today on the Drive Time podcast is a writer for the Sun Sentinel. You can find him on Twitter at David Furness underscore. Important for the underscore, right? Of course. Of course otherwise, you're never going to find it. <laughs> you exactly. start typing my name. It's not like it drops down on a menu or something. But. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think I was on Twitter. 
Twitter in like 2016, so I, mine's Wingfield NFL, like real original, right? I think some Spanish, uh, <laughs> so, so someone in Spain uh, took uh, David Ferronis uh, before me. But then I think it was available one time when I looked later, but I, I already had it, so what are you going to do? It's going to cost you a pretty penny to get that name probably back at some <laughs> point. Anyway, David joins us here today talking some Dolphins, Chargers, and really camp and preseason is where I want to start with you because we have a chance to be out here, you know, a unique uh, perspective that a lot of fans don't get because we get to see all the practices and just kind of start there for a week one game here. What's your biggest takeaway you had, David, from either the preseason training camp, just the lead up to week one here? Boy, just giving me the open yeah. uh, book to, to say whatever numbers. I want. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to go to Jalen Phillips. I mean, he had such a tremendous camp uh, just to watch how consistently he got home. Uh, those pressures, I think that, uh, that that stat we always talk about with him, that pass rush win rate, it's really going to start to turn into some sacks this year. We're going to see him probably get into those double digits that we've been, we've been waiting to see Jalen Phillips get to through the first two years of his career. He was really consistently beating whoever was in front of him. And, uh, I mean, he was my uh, – team player of the of camp really so i guess maybe he wears an orange jersey in game number one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well are the dolphins gonna bring back those orange jerseys from 2003 or whatever it was that might, might have to roger might not like that too much roger could tell might, might have something to say about that but yeah he was he was dominant in practice I, I had a stat that i would try to read off sometimes on the show and it's like too wordy he had like the most pressures in a certain amount of seconds that didn't result in sacks and i think that this year they have a chance to potentially turn more of those pressures into sacks so is there an acronym for that yeah, stat? I, <laughs> like you get those weird ones in baseball yeah. <laughs> it's something weird but I, I can't make a word out of it. it's not english so uh <laughs> we're gonna mess out on that so you know the my favorite part about week one is trying to find out like what teams are we don't really know what teams are like we have our, our ideas and predictions from training camp but is there an element to this team that is new or maybe a little bit mysterious to you that you're most intrigued to find out about come sunday yeah, I think you got to go to Vic Fangio. Uh, the team transformed its defense. So uh, switching over from the, the more aggressive, the press man and blitz uh, heavy packages that uh, Josh Boyer had previously. And then now uh, you're going to see more of those, uh, the variety of zone defenses that, that Vic Fangio plays, although he'll mix in the man coverages as well. But the two high shell, the quarters covers, uh, cover six and uh, all those things. And uh, really a defense that will limit a lot of the big plays that uh, the offense, the opposing offenses are trying to hit. And then also put his own defenders in position to make big plays on their end. So I think uh, that'll be exciting to watch. I wish we had Jalen Ramsey to, to see play in it early in the season, but uh, something tells me that he's going to be uh, beating that timeline uh, to recovery, and we're going to see him in this defense. Oh, man, that's, that's going to be a nice little, uh, whenever it happens, midseason, late season, boom, the Dolphins get to the defense. And like you said, Fangio's just, I can't wait to see what he does too because it's it's such a mystery, and we don't know what exactly it's going to look like, especially with the year off and drawing up extra coverages. Uh, kind of the same question for you here because, again, like this is what makes this game so fun. I, I think it's the best game on the schedule this week maybe buffalo and the jets is is right up there as well but there's so many storylines in this game what's one that you're really focusing on whether it's you know ronaldo hill coming back to the chargers or like you mentioned fangio's first game what's your favorite storyline for this game yeah well obviously the coaching matchup between mike mcdaniel his offense and brandon staley his defense and we saw last year that one went uh, staley's way the, the defense for the chargers had it schemed up well pressing receivers making it difficult on tyreek hill and jalen waddle taking away the middle of the field where uh tua likes to be so effective so uh, what counters does Mike McDaniel have? That's going to be interesting to see and, and finding ways to uh, get to it to find those targets both in the middle and on the outside. And if the run game gets more involved, I wrote about that uh, just today that uh, I want to see the, the run game also uh, given more uh, touches to Raheem Mostert. And, and even though we don't have Jeff Wilson to start the, the season, but the guys, uh, other guys behind him, Savan Ahmed and Devon A-Chain maybe, those rookies, and Chris Brooks who made this roster as an undrafted rookie after a fine uh, preseason. So which one of those guys 
guys are going to be involved in this game plan. And Mike McDaniel has said he wants to run the ball more, so I want to see if that's true going into week one against the Chargers run defense that returns from last year that wasn't very highly ranked. And uh, and obviously in past defense, they have uh, J.C. Jackson coming back this year. Joey Bosa, who wasn't playing in last year's game, he's going to be there. So that combination of him and and uh, Khalil Mack on, on the edges for them against the Dolphins tackles, that'll be a big thing to watch. So, uh, so maybe if the run game can kind of counter that a little bit. I'm glad you plugged your piece. That's the whole reason we have you on here to kind of get the folks to know more of the local riders here that, uh, that do such good work for us here on the local beat. Um, let's go ahead and take our first break right here and come back on the other side and talk more with David Frost from the Sun Sentinel Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Back here with Sun Sentinel writer David Fronis and a special guest appearance from Renzo Shepard on the podcast, <laughs> Dolphins PR man. Just walking through the room here. No big deal. We're kind of taking up other people's space as well right now. Food's here, I believe <laughs> yeah. was the quote. Yeah. Food is here, so not for you guys, just for me and David in the building here. But uh, David, oh, one of the reasons I like having you guys on is because the more eyes, the more ears we get on the show, the better because you know so much happens at practice, in a locker room, in a, media, a press conference, whatever it is. Do you have a moment from this week, whether it was open locker room, coach at the podium, Tua, whatever it might have been. Was there a moment from this week that was your favorite so far? You know, it's always cool to see a coach at the podium. I mean, Mike McDaniel's so great in this media setting. So, um, I mean, really, it, it, it really brightens our day. It's, it, it, this is an enjoyable thing to, to come to work to. You know, I can't complain about my job when, when it, a lot of people are, you know, you're, they're tuning in to, to watch the live stream. A lot of fans are tuning in, and this is what I get to attend on a normal basis. And, uh, and Mike McDaniel makes it a, a, an enjoyable experience. Uh, always got something to say when he walks right in. Today, this is being recorded on a Friday where – uh, his first Friday press conference is a little bit lighter attended by the media, but six you know, of us, I think. Yeah, yeah, nice. right, right. So uh, calling us the tried and true, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I posted a little video clip of uh, his opening remarks of how excited he was <laughs> to uh, find out what we had to ask him on on a Friday press conference. I think in the locker room, it's a lot of that one on one time that you get uh, with players, so really getting to know them, and then um, just seeing what kind of intricate uh, things you can figure out about the game from uh, those uh, th- those moments in the locker room. And Tua spoke at the podium uh, earlier this week, too. One answer that was kind of cool from him was uh, uh, talking about Justin Herbert. Those two guys, those two quarterbacks are always going to be compared because uh, one was drafted number five, one was drafted number six in the 2020 draft. But uh, sort of just seeing how he said, I I fan over him sometimes and the way he gets the ball out, his arm strength. uh, So that was kind of cool to see, just one quarterback showing a lot of respect to another. Yeah, like I said, storylines are plenty in this game, right? And that's just one of them that you – I I thought that might be where you go, but, I mean, there's so many to pick from that – you didn't choose a bad one either at all there. So, yeah, Still got and, it in. Still uh, yeah, got you it definitely in did. Answer. That's a true pro right there, getting every talking point in. David, appreciate your time today, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's take our last break right there and come back on the other side and finish up with some audio from the locker room. Cater Kohu, Robert Hunt, we'll hear from Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Mike White, plus another guest, Kyle Krabs, breaking down the weekend that is coming up in college football. All of that next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Let's go ahead now and get to some of my player interviews in open locker room this week. I wanted to talk to a couple of guys that they're going to be integral to the Dolphins' route to victory. Of course, we know the Chargers feature a slew of good playmakers among their five eligibles on any given play with Mike Williams, with Keenan Allen, with Austin Eckler, Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnston. They're pretty deep there. So I wanted to talk to a guy who we know plays inside, outside, does a little bit of everything on this Dolphins' defense, Cater Kohu, talking about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen Here's the Dolphins cornerback and my chat from Thursday. Mike Williams, he just kind of had to be physical with him. He's like a bigger guy and stuff like that. He has 
good jump ball and stuff like that. So you just have to be ready for that, knowing like what they're trying to use him as and stuff like that. And Keenan Allen, he's like an intermediate kind of get out of his breaks and stuff like that. He run, he's obviously like their best route runner. So when you're going up against him, you have to be ready for anything, double moves, jerk routes and stuff like that. And Keenan Allen, I mean, Mike Williams, if he starts going deep, you just like it's, he's a bigger guy. You know what's coming. And then with Eden Allen, if he's going deep, I feel like you kind of still have to be in that gray area. Like he might snap it down or he might keep going. They have a new system this year with Kellen Moore, and then um, obviously they're they don't play their stars in the preseason. How do you prepare for a team when you don't really have tape what they might be for this season? Uh, you kind of have to go back and just like watch. Uh, like how they kind of try to use them last year, and then you kind of have to go back and then watch. Uh, I mean, preseason they don't play their starters, but you, they kind of use the same kind of system. And then you obviously have to go back and watch uh, where the, OC, the uh, officer coordinator came from and kind of try to just match up stuff like that. Some Dallas stuff. Yeah. So how do you, um, you know, this new defense is new. You guys are installing a new system. And you're gonna get to see it in action for the first time in a real game. How would you kind of measure where you guys feel comfort level in this new defense? Well, we feel real comfortable. We feel like uh, Big's going to put us in a uh, position to make a lot of plays and stuff. He's going to always protect us. Uh, like, he's 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 like a football genius. So, it's like his preparation, he has everything down to the numbers with, like, what's coming, what's what's coming on what downs or what this and stuff like that. So, I feel like we're real confident and stuff like that. We have, like, a lot of good players on our team. So, you know, if, if, if we're just going to have to go out there and compete. So, we're, we're just real confident. I think we all agree that a good showing from the Dolphins' offensive line, particularly in the running game, would go a long way towards securing a 1-0 start for, what would this be, the third consecutive season if we were to get the game on Sunday. Wanted to stop by Rob Hunt's locker and talk to him about the running game, about playing alongside Austin Jackson. Here is Big Rob and my chat, again, from Thursday. Last year... A lot was made about the Chargers' run defense going into that game, and we didn't really find success in the ground. Uh, how do you think that that game last year can possibly inform you for how to get success in the ground game this year? I think they had a really good game plan um, for us, uh, you know, and I was that for last game for last year, last game. I think we, um, you know, I think we've been doing a lot of good things in camp and uh, you know in preseason on the ground, and hopefully that can translate this Saturday. How do you think, uh, how has preparations been this week? What's what's kind of the mood around practice in the locker room? How are you guys feeling about the game? I feel good, man. We, we, we you know, we, 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 <laughs> we practicing the ISL, man. We're working hard, and, you know, I think, we, I think everybody's ready. So you came in your rookie year with, you know, Austin. You guys have obviously worked together a lot on the right side of the offensive line. How nice has it been getting Austin back and working with him at that right tackle spot? It's been pretty good, man. It's good to see him out there, man. You know, unfortunately, he had a um, rough year of injuries last year. Uh, but it's good to see him back, man. He's flying around. He wants to. He he he's working his ass off to you know to get it going and get it, get it rolling, man. And um, he, he looks good. And I'm excited to play with, beside him. Last one I got for you here. So obviously a lot of the same offensive lines back. The running backs are pretty much the same. You add the rookies in here as well. But uh, how do you think that continuity you guys were able to build up over the course of the offseason can benefit y'all uh, up front this year with the running backs in the running game? Uh, I think a lot, man. Because like you said, it's our second year in the system. We all kind of know. Um, what we're trying to do. We all get the goal that we're trying to do. And uh, it's a standard, man. It's a standard, especially in our room. And the running backs, you know, they match that as well. But it's a standard, man. I think everybody, no matter who you are, first team guy, third um, team guy, everybody got the same standard. So that's, 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 that's the good thing. 
Let's go back to Wednesday in QB1 at the podium when he was asked about Coach Fangio's defense and what it is particularly about that defense, which we know that Brandon Staley in Los Angeles runs an offshoot or a version uh, off the branch or off the tree, I should say. His is the branch of the Vic Fangio defense. Here's QB1 talking about facing that defense in practice every day and how it's helped the offense so far. Against his defense is is tough in itself and understanding, asking him a lot of questions, asking their position groups a lot of questions, trying to understand, um, you know, how their defense works together. Like I said, they they really communicate out there it's to a point where it sounds like they're over communicating, which is something that I haven't haven't really seen, especially using the, the helmet cam. You know, you're trying to get the cadence going and sometimes the center can't hear because of all the noise going on in the background and guys can't hear it as well. So going against his defense definitely helps in preparation for, um, you know, Staley's defense. So we got to be ready and we got to understand the problems that they give us on certain plays and just got to keep moving forward with it. One of my favorite things to discuss with a QB2, for instance, is how they support quarterback one. And that's exactly what Mike White talked about at his media availability this week in Open Locker Room. I think in the room we have a really good dynamic is we're just kind of a sounding board for Tua. Whenever he needs, whenever he has any questions, we, we kind of give him what we think and, and try not to, to step on anybody's toes, I guess, because he's, he's played very well at a, at a high level. So there's there's some things that he, he does a lot better than us. So we're, we're learning from him more, more times than he's learning from us. But, yeah, it's just having a good dynamic and, and, and whatever he needs, we're, we're there for him. And, and that's the goal of the whole room is getting QB1 ready because when QB1's playing well, we're winning. And when you're winning, everything's fun. And we are going to end every Friday episode with Finn's Draft in 5, talking about the college slate coming up this particular weekend. I used to break these games down on my own, but I thought, you know what? Let's get someone who does this more full-time this time of year and also knows this Dolphins team as well as anybody else. Kyle Krabs, five minutes talking Dolphins draft. Let's go. And a new segment here on the Friday, the Football Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast is going to be Finn's Draft in Five with Kyle Krabs. You guys know who he is, the host of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, very good friend of mine, comes down every summer for training camp, comes down a couple of times a year to catch a Finn's game and also watch a bunch of college football with your boy. And he's here once again with us talking Dolphins potential draft. And I, I call it that, Kyle, even though we're not really, you know, I guess previewing the draft just yet it's I think it's a little bit premature for that but I used to do these segments on my own and I thought I got so much going on with you know current media availabilities and and whatnot let's get someone that knows better than I do right now because I typically cram for the draft towards the end of the season and you're already in it I I love following your Twitter account and uh, just seeing you do all your stuff with with college football and obviously for the Dolphins so who better than Kyle Krabs to come on here and talk some 2023 college football season. We're going to keep it to tight five, but before I start the timer, Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. And I feel a lot of pressure to make sure I deliver a tight five. So uh, I'm going to, you're going to get the best version of me in, in the spirit of Mike McDaniel talking about Tua this year, you're going to get the best version of me that there has ever been in the same way. 
<laughs> we have to pull coach exactly. off the podium sometimes because uh, he, he <laughs> likes it. He, he enjoys talking too much. And that's, uh, that's kind of how this podcast goes. Most of the time, I always tell my guests 10, 15, then it winds up being 25 minutes. The podcast ends up being 40 minutes long and uh, it devolves from there like it is right now. So I'm going to go ahead and hit the timer and we're going to fire this thing up. We're basically trying to get Kyle's view of the college football landscape this weekend as it pertains to potential Miami Dolphins fits and you know we don't know what the needs will be and all that stuff but just players that Kyle thinks might be fun in the aqua and orange in the future should they declare for the draft so the timer is going on after I finish this first question and we're going to start here this is more broad you mentioned you know two of the best version of himself uh, we feel pretty good about our quarterback right now but it's always fun for a draft class when the quarterback class is loaded and it looks like we have another instance of that this year, of course, to a part of what might be the best quarterback class of all time back in 2020, 2021 was supposed to be even better. It hasn't worked out that way. Kyle stack up this class compared to recent quarterback classes. Is it going to be the big hype and live up to that hype? Or will it be maybe one that falls more by the wayside? I think you'll see some of the names fall off just because you have like a, dozen names that people are pointing to across all different programs that potential first round pick gets tapped on those guys. But I do think the top of this quarterback class is probably as good as we have seen since 2020, as far as Caleb Williams. I know there's a lot of enthusiasm for Drake may at North Carolina. Uh, I think th there has not been a glow up that we've seen in the last couple of years, like what Bo Nix has done at Oregon the last few years as well. The Pac-12 has got two other guys with Shitter Sanders at Colorado. And then Cam Ward, uh, I know we're big Cougs guys here on this podcast. And, and you know, we've watched a number of Cougs games together, but uh, th that's about as toolsy as it gets. So I look at this quarterback class, I think it's a potential to be the best quarterback class since 2020. And as you said, for the dynamics of an entire class, the domino effect there gets really exciting. I try not to do this too much on my Dolphins podcast, but you led into it there. So I'm going to take my last question and put it here first. If Washington State beats Wisconsin on Saturday after beating them last year in Madison, if they welcome in, into Martin Stadium, Pullman, Washington on a Saturday night and beat the Wisconsin Badgers, do they deserve an invite to the Big Ten? They're too good of a program to not get an invite somewhere else. Do you know, they will? So I think eventually they'll they'll find their footing somewhere. Uh, of course, we're we're kind of in this chaotic chapter right now of college football but um i think eventually washington state's too good of a program to kind of get left out in the cold altogether i love the idea of the two-man pac-12 and just uh playing each other a couple <laughs> times a year and like doing the bare bones schedule and then forcing them to play a pac-12 championship game between the only two participants in the conference i want to make a mockery of it because i think it is kind of a, a bit of a Stupid shakeup, but I digress on that. Real quick, last WSU question. Cameron Ward, you mentioned him. Really yeah. good opening game against Colorado State. Where do you think, you know, we have a lot of games left to play. Where do you think he winds up getting picked when all things are said and done? That's, it's a big projection, but right now, where do you think he goes? Yeah, I love the fact that we're getting a second year at Washington State after him playing at Incarnate Word, and you see just how physically gifted he is. He, he might be the most creative quarterback in the class as far as – Handling pressure outside of structure, getting the ball out of his hands, making plays happen. Uh, I think a player that has his traits as a passer with how loose his arm is, he's got good ball handling skills. That's kind of the model to these days. And I, I think that's a player that ultimately I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go in the first two rounds. Okay. It's all said and done. Like, I think there's upside of first round pick, but he's got, he would have to, I think, really excel this year and blow it out of the water to get up in that, that stratosphere. I just can't. 
He definitely is. I just haven't seen him uh, talked about in that same breath. I haven't seen him on the senior bowl watch list, things like that. And I, I expect him to get there eventually, but we'll see. I think uh, having a good year in this loaded conference could certainly do a lot for him in that regard. Let's talk about the rest of the landscape this weekend. One massive game. Is it in Tuscaloosa or is it in Austin? I'm not really sure. Let's see. It's at Alabama. So Texas, Alabama, but I'm looking at the schedule here. Not really a lot of ranked on ranked matchups, but from a scouting perspective, who are some what are some games you're looking at that fans could to have a put on their schedule this weekend as I'm gonna go watch that game and find some prospects for myself? Yeah, I definitely think there's some some low-hanging fruit with that Alabama Texas matchup. You know, anytime it's it's those kinds of program powerhouses, budding heads, uh, you, you're gonna get a lot of future NFL talent that's on the field together. I think an early game uh that that stands out to me is Notre Dame versus NC State. Uh Notre Dame really good offensive line this year. They've kind of had a step back over the, the last couple of years because they had a lot of youth. Well, that youth is growing up now. So I look at Notre Dame and their offensive line talent uh, and some of the linebackers that they have as a defense that and a team that I'm excited to see go to NC State and play. And then in the 330 slate, I would look at uh, Texas A&M coming to Hard Rock Stadium and playing the Miami Hurricanes because I think the Canes have a lot of talent between their safety duo Leonard Taylor at defensive tackle, some of their offensive line. I know they had JV on Cohen come in as a transfer. Uh, that's a, a a matchup that I think could, you know, one in each time slot, I think really give you a lot of value. Good stuff there, Kyle. we got about 40 seconds left here in the tight five. We're trying to keep it to give us a player that Dolphins fans maybe haven't heard of that you think has a chance to really put themselves in a good position with a good performance this week in a big time game that maybe in the future could potentially fit in the Miami Dolphins system. Well, the, the versatility of Cooper DeGene, uh, defensive back from Iowa. They're playing Iowa State. It's a big-time rivalry game. Uh, he made Bruce Feldman's freaks list as far as his athleticism this year from The Athletic, and he plays all over the place. So he's a really fun player, but you've got to mind your P's and Q's because if you're not paying attention, you'll probably miss him because he doesn't line up in the same spot very often. He's a really, really fun, versatile defensive back. Really good stuff, Kyle. We did it. 457. Real yes. quick, though. Last word here. Final score Sunday in Los Angeles. Oh, man. it's I, I won't tell you who wins because I think there's a lot of parallels between the teams, but I think this is going to be last possession type ball game on Sunday. Good stuff, Kyle. Appreciate you, man. Locked on Dolphins at grinding the tape on social. You're the man, buddy. When are you coming down? First game? Uh, depends on if my wife cooperates and keep, keeps her our expected son <laughs> to his due date or not. So we're trying to get a feel for that in the midst of uh, travel plans is tough, but definitely uh, at least one in October. And then I'll be down a few times later in the season. Well, congrats on number two. I can't tell you it gets easier. It gets a lot harder. I know you know that. And uh, Ready for looking forward to seeing you down here, man. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Travis. And away he goes. Fun episode there, talking to plenty of the guys. Coach McDaniel, great as always. David Feronis, Kyle Krabs, and a bunch of the players there as well. All right, the next time you all hear from me, our flagship show, our Sunday night slash Monday morning game recap. Actually, we're going to publish these on Monday morning this year, so keep an eye out on all your podcast apps wherever you get your podcast to check out Dolphins recaps every Monday morning here on the Drive Time Podcast. That's going to be my time for today though. You all have a great weekend and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on social at Wingfield NFL and the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out our other podcasts here on the network, The Fish Tank with Seth Levitt, OJ McDuffie. They have all kinds of great stuff coming your guys' way this season. The YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today 
and much, much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy, he's coming home.